You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. So we have Jenna Rich, who is an amazing marketing professional and producer in New York. In the past, she has been on the social media team for Chicago, Waitress, School of Rock, and so much more. She is now the mar- one of the marketing people for Winnie the Pooh Off-Broadway. I am sure I'm figuring a lot of her projects, but I'm so excited to get to interview her. Hi, Jenna. Hi, Mason. I'm so excited to be here. So how are you? I'm doing well. You know, it is um, getting to be the end of the year and everything is sort of picking up for the holidays, especially with our shows. We're sort of doing that holiday push and trying to get butts and seats around this time. So, you know, it's getting very busy, but at the same time, I'm very much looking forward to having like a week of hopefully rest and not checking my emails. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's pajama day at school. So that's always a good thing. You know, we never got to do pajama day at my high school. They always thought that like, you know, people would go a little like not inappropriate, but you know, people would like wear the short shorts and things. And so we never did that. But I love that you guys get to do that. Pajama days are our favorite days. And it's where we learn the most. I you know what I love a good spirit day. It just like I feel like it really does enhance the learning when you know, you're wearing what you feel comfortable in. Yeah. And yesterday was wear a tree skirt as a skirt or poncho. So I obviously wore a tree skirt as a skirt yesterday. Oh, that's And it was a hit. It was a hit. I I believe it. I remember I saw some TikTok a while ago of this girl whose like grandma bought her a tree skirt, but she thought it was like a a cape. And she was like, I still look fierce. And I'm like, this is amazing. (laughs) I'm like, I wish I I had the confidence to pull off a tree skirt. I mean, like my high school dress code was business casual. Um, So I very much longed for um, creativity and what I got to wear. So I am so grateful that our dress code is not strict. Yeah. So can you start out by telling everyone listening how you got to where you are? Oh, gosh. Um, It is a long, uh, winding path, um, but I'll do the best I can. Um, So I grew up in Buffalo, New York, which is about a six-hour drive from the city or an hour flight. Um, And 
I was always super into theater, as I'm sure most of your guests on here are. Um, I did every school play. I did musicals in uh, middle school. We never really did them in my high school. Um, but I was one of those kids who grew up and their favorite bedtime story at night was like reading through their playbills of like all of the shows that would come to town. Um, and, you know, I'm sure people thought it was weird that I could tell you like the entire like 1998 cast of the, you know, the national tour of cats. But like, for me, that was so much, you know, what I was passionate about. And I was so interested in what people's paths were themselves. Um, and I would always, I loved this section at the end of the playbill where I would tell you like, you know, who the producers were and who the stage manager was. And that to me was so fascinating. Um, but I think I always just sort of assumed, you know what, like I can be an actor or that's about it. And so I sort of started to go down that path, um, in high school, you know, I applied to go to like six colleges and all of them, except for one were for acting. I also applied to Syracuse, which has an amazing theater management program. And I remember, you know, I got into NYU first. I did the early decision too. And, um, you know, I found that out like after I got into Syracuse theater management and I remember like, I cried so much that day because I was like, oh, I really want to do this program. This sounds amazing. But I was like, I've already committed to NYU as an actor and that's what I'm going to do with my life. And I quickly realized when I got to NYU that, you know, that was not for me. One of my, you know, go-to anecdotes about how I just did not really fit into that program at all was um, I was working on the box office staff for the NYU production of Rent my second semester of college um, because we had to do a crew requirement to sort of teach actors, you know, like what <laughs> what the other career possibilities are out there in the world of theater because, you know, it's like sometimes things don't hit right away. And I was working box office with like three other freshmen and um, I saw on our comp list that Bernie Telsey was coming to the show. And I immediately was like, oh my God, guys, Bernie Telsey is coming to our production of Rent. And everyone was like, should I know who that is? Like, who is that? And I sat there and I was like, are you kidding me? You don't know the man who was the casting director for Rent? And that was sort of the moment in my mind where I was like, I've got to get out of here and I've got to do, you know, something more than this. And so I happened to um, walk my way into an opening night party my freshman year of college. Um, it was On Your Feet, the Gloria Stefan musical, which I adored. I saw it like four times. Um, and I, you know, I don't recommend doing what I did. Um, but I happened to, you know, just sort of like follow the crowd after the show. And I ended up at the party and um, <laughs> I had a glass of champagne, you know, as, as one does. I was, I was 18 or 19. I can't remember. I don't condone underage drinking, but I ended up talking to Jimmy Niederlander, who, you know, of course it like owns nine Broadway theaters and I told him that I wanted to work for him someday. And he handed me his business card and said, call my assistant. And so um, I did. And that January of my freshman year, I ended up taking an academic semester so I could um, intern for the Nederlander organization. 
And it was truly like, that was the moment that I think like my world opened up and I was like, there is so much out there. How have I been missing this all my life? Um, and so from there, I spent a year there. I ended up going to Telsey and Company where I worked for the man that sort of inspired my like actor downfall. Um, and so from there, I ended up working at, um, you know, a couple of general management offices. I moved to London for a semester to study abroad and also ended up working for Andrew Lloyd Webber because I babysat for his vice president. Um, and, you know, after the, it just sort of, I feel like it sort of spiraled and one thing led to the next. Um, and somehow I ended up working in marketing and I have no idea how I got to this place uh, because I never took a marketing class in my life, but, you know, I feel very fortunate that I get to do what I do. And it truly feels like the perfect culmination of, you know, all of the internships and work experience that I had um, to sort of be part of like making a show happen and sort of promoting it to uh, new audiences. And I, you know, I, I never thought it was for me or that I would have a career in it, but I just absolutely love it. Yeah. And you're great at it, as you can see on all of your shows. Oh, thank um, you. So did you get to meet Bernie Telsey that first time when he got the comp tickets? I, um, I remember I was just sort of like sitting there in awe and didn't really know what to say. Um, because <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, I, I also, you know, the search for Elle Woods, like let's yeah. be, when he was on that, I was like, this guy is so cool. Um, and I remember, you know, he walked up and we checked him in or whatever, and that was sort of the end of it. And then I just went on, you know, about how much like I loved rent, um, to the people, you know, that I was working with at the box office. Um, but you know, years later, I, I never really got to tell him that story because I was also like, okay, well now I'm your intern. So I can't be weird about how like cool I think you are. Um, Just like email him now. I know I should. Um, I I'll send like, him a link to this episode. Seriously. Um, you know, like, and of course, like pre-pandemic, I used to see him at parties and things. And um, I did a brief-ish stint working for the arts organization, Be an Arts Hero over the pandemic. And we did this phenomenal day of action on Labor Day of 2020, where we gathered, um, I think it was 100 arts workers to sing uh, Will I from Rent. And we worked from, with Telsey and Company to sort of do our casting and bring in all of these amazing, uh, all of this amazing talent. And so that was truly one of those moments where I felt like I had contributed to something really magical. Um, and it was amazing to work with them again after, you know, having been the intern and I sort of would like run out and get the coffee and file the headshots. And um, I felt like I had sort of come a very long way from, you know, those days. Yeah. And I haven't told this story on my podcast, but speaking of random um, Bernie Telsey meetings, um, I tried to call his office at the beginning of this year to like schedule an interview or like talk with him yeah. um, on my podcast. And I thought it was going to go to like his assistant in his office or whatever, but he picked his phone up himself and I was just like, can I speak to Bernie Telsey? And he's like, this is Bernie Telsey. Oh my goodness. And my jaw dropped and I was like, D interview question mark. And he was like, um, well, I'm in the middle of a casting right now. So yeah. 
I don't think I can. But I literally got to talk to Bernie Telsey yeah. with like two rings. I love that. It's he's a really like wonderful down to earth guy um, who, you know, is sort of like built everything that he has from the ground up. And it's that internship was really sort of a, a fundamental moment in my career. I think also in my personal life, because I met my five best friends. Um, yeah. So there was a group of eight of us that were interns and it sort of ranged between like, you know, we had eight interns during the fall and spring semesters. And then there were 10 interns over the summer because, you know, it's, they have such a volume of work. Um, and, you know, we all sort of bonded uh, over the fact that, you know, there was, I mean, there were a lot of funny things that happened. It was like, I, I feel like I can't really air my friend's secrets, but somebody accidentally like put Tina Fey behind a, one of those rolling curtains in a room. Um, and uh, like somebody ordered a, um, an egg white sandwich instead of a flat white coffee for a prominent director. <laughs> and it was just, you know, those little moments, I think really bonded us. And, you know, it's like, they've been my best friends for, I think, when was that? 2017. So almost five years now. Yeah. So, yeah. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, so I think on the internet, there's a big gray area about marketing and the press teams of shows. So what would you say your job is for these shows? So my job um, has sort of, you know, it's, it's varied over the years because there are so many different um, facets of marketing. So in my first marketing job, I was the marketing associate at the Broadway ad agency, RPM. And so, you know, our clients were Hamilton, Moulin Rouge, Waitress, Chicago, Oklahoma, Slave Play, um, all of these really wonderful shows. And in my role there, I did partnerships and promotions. Um, and so with that, we were focused on all of the ways that we could promote our shows uh, outside of the traditional, you know, like paid advertising. So I was focused on finding opportunities for, you know, free for the most part, because we really didn't have a massive budget. So everything from, you know, like uh, taking the actors to promotional concerts, like at Columbus Circle around the holidays, or doing um, one of my favorite things was I took the cast of Chicago to Staten Island, for a concert called Broadway in the Boroughs, which is focused on like opening Broadway up to all of New York City's boroughs and sort of bringing it to the people. Um, and so I remember it was like the night after Moulin Rouge's uh, opening on Broadway. 
I, you know, was not feeling my best at eight o'clock in the morning, but I had to get on the Staten Island Ferry and take like 20 members of Chicago's cast to go perform at this mall. Um, And so certain opportunities like that, I think like finding promotional swag to have at events, um, like talking to group sales agents. So the people that sell tickets to like 10 uh, plus people um, and making sure that your show is top of mind. Um, I also planned a lot of events. One of my favorite things that I did pre-pandemic that was, I don't know, possibly a super spreader, who knows, uh, was I was responsible for throwing a party for Alex Timbers to celebrate his three Broadway shows uh, that were happening at the same time with Moulin Rouge, Beetlejuice, and American Utopia. And so sort of finding ways to bring the show into, you know, the the Broadway conscience, but also... Um, to places outside of Broadway. I met so many magicians working with Darren Brown Secret because we were trying to promote um, that and make sure that all of the magicians and illusionists in the city were aware that, you know, the show was happening and so they could promote it to their fan base. I talked a lot to like hotel concierge people. Um, So that was sort of like the partnerships and promotions angle what I do now is I'm an account executive and so I'm more client focused. And so with that, I'm sort of the point person for all of our daily communication between, you know, for example, the Winnie the Pooh team and my office. So if we have like um, an announcement coming, like for example, we're going to be announcing very soon that um, there's a production happening in another city of the show. And so this morning I had to send them a graphic for approval and just say, hi, here's this social post that our team came up with. Here's the copy. Let me know if this is approved. And so if they have any changes, I take that back to our designer and sort of make things happen with that and get it to a point where the client likes it. Um, And I put together all of our weekly meeting decks. We're sort of focused on the sales and analytics. Um, But again, like if something needs to get done, um, even with like ticketing partners with today ticks, um, I'm sort of the point person in trying to make that happen and communicate um, all of the changes and things that need to get done. So those are sort of, yeah, those are the areas of marketing that I've focused on. And I, I should mention that I'm also like doing the social media too. So coming up with a copy and working with a graphic designer to sort of put together everything that you see uh, on social. Um. So you were talking about Winnie the Pooh in a new city, and I saw it on the website this morning. Yeah. Um, and I think I might be able to make that one at some point. Oh, I hope so. I might so. be able to come to that production. I know. And I think, like, I guess by the time that your podcast airs, it will have been announced. So I guess I can probably just say that Winnie the Pooh's headed to Chicago. Um, and we're super excited about it. Um, so I'm really you know, I'm thrilled and I'm hopeful that I get to stay, you know, with it sort of wherever it goes. Um, so as of right now, um, I'm, I'm hopeful that that's the case and it's, I'm, I'm doing the, you know, I'm continuing on as the voice of poo on social. So that's like, that makes me happy. So how do you, what advice do you have for people wanting to approach partnerships with their shows? So, you know, I think it really, um, it depends sort of what you're working on, I think. Um, During the pandemic, I worked with um, a local theater company that I was a stage manager for in high school. 
and um, they were doing a production of um, a, a virtual production of Bigfoot, which was a play that was written, you know, to be performed in sort of the virtual sphere. And with that, they brought me on to do the social media. But I was also like, how funny would it be if I reached out to all of those like Bigfoot tracking fan groups um, and like those Facebook groups that are focused on the sightings and things? And so I started to do that. And I just sort of started to drop the link in for our show and be like, hey, we have a show coming about Bigfoot. Um, So I think that finding unique angles to promote your production it's so key, especially right now. Um, there's just such an influx of theater, which I think is amazing because, you know, we've been so virtual for the past year and however many months. Um, but I think, yeah, it's been crazy. Um, but I think that, you know, there are so many ways to go about it and do it so you're not spending a ton of money. A lot of the times, even just saying like, hey, on our website, we can list your logo if you'll post about us or something like that. Um, And just sort of finding ways to incorporate your local uh, businesses that are surrounding you. um, And just sort of, it never hurts to send an email and ask for what you want. One thing that I've learned in almost six years of sort of being around this industry is, you know, you've just got to ask. And you have to be direct about what you want because otherwise it won't get done. And people are so willing to, you know, give their time and resources to help you out if they believe in the cause, especially for theater. After we've been gone for so long, I remember I started um, taking, making some calls earlier on when I started my job in March with Winnie the Pooh, just being like, hey, we have this show coming in. I would love to work with you. I know that, you know, Restaurants had been through such a hard time during the pandemic, and we have too. Is there any kind of mutually beneficial way that we can work together? And through that, we were able to come up with a really wonderful uh, set of community partnerships with a bunch of different local restaurants and bakeries. And everybody was willing to pitch in, even if it was as small as having like a, a giant honeypot on their counter with some information about the show. So I think more often than not, it just never hurts to reach out and um, ask if you can drop off a fly, some flyers or a poster um, or, you know, like see if they'd be willing to donate like a pizza to your cast if you promote it on social or something like that. Um, I think that there's many ways to go about it. And as long as you're thankful and are able to sort of reciprocate, um, I think that's what matters. And are there any quote-unquote rules behind those campaigns that you critique people on when they're starting their campaigns? Like, are there any don't do this when you're trying to get a partner or anything like that? Oh, um, mm. you know, I I feel like it's something that takes practice. I think one key skill when I used to interview our interns was I was always I would always ask if they had like cold outreach experience because it's such a craft being able to send um, a a good cold outreach email that's not going to go directly into somebody's spam, or even just to call somebody up and on the phone and ask if they would be interested in working with you. I think that you really need to have, you know, good background information about your show, be able to sort of explain, you know, why you're reaching out to them. Um, 
so it's not just coming off as weird. Um, I remember when I worked on Oklahoma, one of my favorite projects that I did was a sustainability night at the theater where we invited um, like six different environmental organizations to the theater to talk about, you know, the work that they did. And they set up tables at Circle in the Square with flyers and things. And the funniest conversation I had was when I called up, I think it was like, um, was it the Bronx, like River Society or something like that? I can't remember their name. Um, But I called them and I just said, hi, this is Jenna. I'm calling from the Broadway production of Oklahoma. I wanted to reach out because we would love to work with you on this sustainability night at the theater. And they were like, why do you want to work with us? And I said, so you know the line in the song, we know we belong to the land and the land we belong to is grand. That was sort of, you know, the jumping off point for, you know, the event. And, you know, from that, from those song lines, we were able to sort of turn it into this thing that was focused on the earth and giving back. Um, And that was something where, you know, the community really did benefit and we gave them flyers to promote it to their base, um, you know, so we could um, sort of reach their audiences as well. And they were given, you know, comp tickets to the show so they could come and we did a panel and it was one of those things where it was beneficial for everybody because they were given a platform to speak about the environmental issues that were important to them. And, um, you know, Oklahoma sold a few more tickets that night and were able to sort of do something about the community. And on top of it, it turned into a press moment and was picked up, I mean, by Broadway World, which, you know, I feel like everything's sort of picked up by Broadway World, but still. Um, And I also like, I, I got to host a talk back at the theater about sustainability. And I was like, I am not the person to do that. But here I was talking about, you know, like how we can sort of make sure that our earth is somewhere that we can be in, you know, the years to come. Yeah. And so overall, it was one of those really fun uh, learning opportunities for everybody involved. Yeah. Um. So you were talking about that um, campaign of the environmental stuff. So do you like those targeted campaigns like that? Or do you like more general campaigns to get to a broader audience? You know, um, I love really specific uh, outreach projects, I think. And I've been doing less of it in my job right now, even though it's very much what I'm passionate about and hope to be doing more of it uh, when I have more projects that are based in New York and are sort of signed on for partnerships. Um, but you know, I know you're not old enough, but I love a good bar crawl. Like that is my favorite, um, thing to do. And I think it's a really great way to sort of bring in, you know, the, those audiences, um, whether it's focused on the theater district or what I did with Moulin Rouge is for February, 2020, we did the month of love uh, sort of activation cocktail crawl situation where we focused on really high-end bars across the city and each one crafted a really fun specialty cocktail for us. Um, And they had flyers and it was one of those things where it it was really fun to sort of have something to show for it and be able to send our audience to those bars and give them business but at the same time have those bars talking about Moulin Rouge to their guests. But on top of it, I got to go sample all the cocktails. And so that was a blast for me. Um, but I really, you know, I think that finding specific things 
within your production to sort of hone in on and focus something around is so key because that way, you know, you never run out of ideas. And I think that's why shows like Chicago, which like I used to work on, are still going strong today because that marketing team that I was a part of, you know, it's you plan things out a year in advance. You sort of focus in on the things that you did last year that were successful and you take that into the next year and see how you can expand upon it. Like with Waitress, um, prior to when I joined the team, they were doing summer sweets, which was focused on all of these different dessert um, desserts you could try across New York City at different bakeries. And every year it just kept getting bigger and bigger because once people saw that this was a thing, they were like, oh, we want to be a part of that. And it grew from, you know, being like five little dessert spots to I feel like, you know, eight or nine where you could go to and you'd bring your passport. And it's things like that that keep people coming back to your show and sort of keep that awareness alive. It's basically, you know, it's free advertising. So it's, you know, I think it's the most fun because, you know, it's like, you don't really have to pay for things in order to get those eyes on your show. And I mean, like advertising itself is so, so, so important and can like make or break your production. But, you know, partnerships are sort of um, someone, Vic Carroll, who works in the industry as um, a consultant on a bunch of shows, told me that, you know, partnerships are sort of the sprinkle on the cupcake. You know, it's that sort of added, um, you know, taste to it that just sort of like makes the experience a lot more fun. Yeah. And also for that February 2020 for Moulin Rouge, you also had that specialty playbill, right? Oh, yeah. That was so, amazing. I got that in the mail a few weeks ago yeah. for my giveaway and it was beautiful. Yeah. It's So that was um, more the like advertising team, but sort of the idea was to sort of focus it, you know, around the month. And we had so many activations happening. I spent my Valentine's Day that year with like all of my single friends and we like were pushing like a thousand roses on a cart through Times Square to get it over to the theater. And it was like the coldest night of the year. And we just stood outside with all of these roses, handing them out to people after the show, you know, after all the couples had sort of gotten out from Moulin Rouge. And they were like, oh, these are so nice, all of these roses. And I was like, aha, I'm so cold. Perfect. But it was was, worth it, right? It was a blast. It's, you know, we did that and uh, Mac did lipsticks with sort of branding for the show on it. And it was just, it was a really fun evening. Yeah. Um, So getting into some of my last questions that I ask everyone, um, do you think that your education at NYU pushed you further or the experience in the field as a marketing professional? Um, I feel like it was sort of mixed. Um, You know, when I initially started at NYU, I was an acting major. I was in the Stella Adler studio and some of my good friends are still, you know, people that I met in that program. So I wouldn't have traded that one semester that I did there for the world. Um, I feel like I still take some of that training with me and how I breathe and how I carry myself. But at the same time, um, when I went from the, you know, the Tisch School at NYU into Gallatin, which is the individualized study program, I felt like that was sort of when I was really able to find myself and figure out what I was interested in pursuing. And so while I was there, I studied, I took theater management, I took producing classes, I, you know, I took like a movie marketing class, which I absolutely nearly failed um, because, you know, I don't really understand film and I really only watch 
movies when I know that they're being turned into musicals. Um, but, you know, I took a playwriting and dramaturgy from Christopher Diaz, who's I think was a Pulitzer Prize winner or finalist um, in drama. You know, it's and on top of it, I was able to intern every single semester. I was basically working full time while I was taking classes in the evening or at weird times. And there was so much flexibility with it. And everybody that I worked for was super wonderful and accommodating and let me and letting me work and also uh, take classes. So I think that that was sort of really where I was able to thrive. Um, but I really do think that nothing compares with the experience that you get actually in the field and doing things because you can take a marketing class in college and you can take a theater management class in some schools. I wish that it was more of a thing. And every time NYU hits me up for money, I'm like, where is the theater management program? I'm like, that would have, people would benefit so much if that was an option in addition to, you know, the technical training, um, but I think that, you know, nothing really compares with what you can learn by actually being out there and sort of working in the industry. And that will only deepen your studies in school as well. Yeah. Um, I felt like the experience that I was able to bring from, you know, my, my internships into my classes really, um, really did sort of focus me and help me figure out, you know, the areas of interest that I wanted to do. Like I was forced to take a class about science um, as part of one of my requirements. And it was about like artificial and natural uh, forms in nature. And I wrote a paper about, um, you know, synthesizers and how those were made and, you know, how Andrew Lloyd Webber sort of popularized them in the 80s. Um, and that was sort of my latching on point. And I was like, I can make this interesting and I can make this what I want it to be. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I really do think it's a combination, but the best thing that I, you know, the best advice that I was ever given was to learn a little bit about everything. And that's sort of the way to go forward and, you know, best figure out what you want to do. Cause we're all still learning and we're all still figuring things out. And, you know, a year ago, the COVID safety manager job didn't exist. And yet now we have people doing that. And there's just like the theater industry is so populous and there are so many careers out there that people just don't even know exist. Um, and I think like one good resource that, you know, I think is worth sharing is the Broadway league has this website called careers.broadway. Like that's the actual, you know, website URL. And they give you a full um, glossary of, you know, maybe like 400 possible jobs on Broadway and what they do and like how to sort of follow that path. And I think that's amazing. And I just think that more people need to know that these resources exist because, you know, I really didn't when I was in high school. Yeah. And I will add that in the description for this episode. I keep a full list of resources um, on my website as well. And I sort of direct people to just to say like, here, yeah. check out the Broadway briefing and the theater intern network and all of these things, because that's how we're going to make sure that this industry is more equitable, inclusive, and diverse going forward is by making sure that everybody is has access to the information and is able to grow their careers. So the biggest question of the day, what was the first Broadway show you saw after the pandemic? Oh, um, it was the same show that was the last show that I saw before the pandemic. And that was Chicago, the musical. <laughs> awesome. Um, it's worth it. It, you know what? It was, it was so crazy because I went to Chicago's, uh, you know, 
unknowingly their final performance before everything shut down, which was also Erica Jane of the Real Housewives fame. Uh, it was her final performance and she didn't know it. And I went with two of my coworkers. Um, I think it was like March, it was March 10th because they didn't have a Wednesday night show and then everything shut down Thursday. Um, and I remember we were all sitting there and the ushers wouldn't let us touch the playbills. And, you know, there were some people wearing masks and I was like, what is going on? This is terrifying. Um, but it was the most joyous return. I went to their invited dress rehearsal and that was, you know, it was so magical to be back in that room. And really that show is like funnier and sexier and like better than ever. And, you know, I've been recommending that people go see Chicago. Like I have not, you know, really said that to anybody in a very long time, but like now is the time to see it. This cast is amazing. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? I don't think so. I just, I'm so honored to have been a guest, Mason. It's been so great getting to talk to you. Um, and, you know, I'm always happy to be a resource for people that are out there and have no idea uh, what they want to do within the industry. And especially when it comes to marketing, it's something that, you know, I never envisioned myself being a part of, but I always try to be a connector and make sure that, you know, if I have a friend that might make sense for somebody to talk to about their path in marketing or press or something, I'm like, I'm always willing to do that. Yeah. So thank you again. Well, that's amazing. It's thank you wonderful. so much. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.